How many of you remember the olden days when Olin Mills used to come to churches and take family pictures for the church directory? Remember? I just thought I would share with you. This is from 1994. This is the Olin Mills family portrait of my husband Al and I and our three children. And I wanted you to see this so that you would have a picture in your mind as I tell the story I'm about to tell. I want you to look at that little girl. She's three years old. Her name is Rachel, and you can't see it, but she has these eyes that you cannot turn down. So that's what things looked like in my family in 1994. I call this my superwoman phase, okay? Because in 1994, I was the co-pastor of a large church I was a significant leader in my community. I was finishing my doctorate of ministry, and I was raising three small children, and I had pretty high standards about all of that. And then something happened one afternoon that actually made me question my life. I remember it vividly. It was about 4.30 in the afternoon, and I am cooking dinner, reading a book, and talking to my clerk of session all at the same time. I'm in my bright white kitchen, and all of a sudden, three-year-old Rachel runs in. Mommy, Mommy, I have something to tell you. And I just hugged her to my leg and tussled her hair and stirred the pot and read the book and listened to the telephone. Mommy, Mommy, it's really important. I need to tell you something. So without missing a beat, as any superwoman would do, I just scooped her up, sat her on the little counter in front of me, kind of tussled her hair again, continued to stir and read and listen. But mommy, are you listening to me? And I actually stopped for a minute and said, yes, sweetie, I'm listening. And then I went back to stirring and reading and went, uh-huh, into the telephone and that's when Rachel did something I will never forget. It is indelibly just kind of etched in my mind. She took those chubby little three-year-old hands, you know, and she leaned real close to me and she put them on my face and she turned my face to hers and she said to me, Mommy, this is important. I need all of you to listen. She could have just said, Mommy, what's more important? Dinner, your class, your church, or me, right? What is it that you treasure? Mommy, it's important I need all of you to listen. This morning, on the fourth Sunday of Lent, we're continuing our sermon series, Forming Faith. And in this sermon series, we've been exploring things that we do that actually makes space for God in our lives so that God can mold us into the people, the mothers and fathers, the sisters and brothers, the friends and neighbors that God desires and that the world needs. And so far, we've explored listening, unplugging, and fasting, all practices that allow for God to enter our lives. But today, Today, my friends, we're going to move from exploring to meddling, because this sermon meddles in our lives. This morning, 
We need to talk about the one thing an affluent North American Christian most, um, as affluent North American Christians most likely to separate us from God and the abundant life that Jesus offers. The thing most likely. You want to know what it is? You're not going to like the answer. It's the way we fill our lives to overflowing with stuff and with activities. It's the way we make meaning for our lives out of how much we own and how much we do. The Apostle Paul tried to talk about this with his friends in Philippi in that passage you heard Stephen read a minute ago. Paul writes, I used to think I was a big deal, friends. So good at keeping the law, such a religiously type A person. But all of that I would gladly pitch in the garbage for what really matters, following Christ. And later in that same letter, Paul refers to a generous gift of money that they had given him, and he says, you know, I can be content with whatever I have. I can do all things through Christ. Christ is what I need, not your money. The strength and confidence that comes from Christ, that is my real treasure, says Paul. Nothing weighs Paul down. Nothing confuses Paul. Paul lets go of everything for Christ. Now, the last time I checked, I am no Apostle Paul, and I hate to say neither are you, but this Lent, as we consider making more space for God in our lives, being formed by our God, we can't ignore this spiritual sickness that infects our culture, our community, our families. The sickness of more is better the disease of accumulation, the illusion that a full schedule and a generous bank account somehow brings happiness or peace. Now, our secular culture understands this sickness and plays right into it, doesn't it? I'm wondering if you recognize this tiny lady from Japan. Anyone? Yeah, you can say it. It's Marie Kondo. It's Marie Kondo. And her 2021 Netflix series called Tidying with Marie Kondo, her videos and her books, they became incredibly popular here in America as she would teach people how to tidy up their lives, how to simplify their living space. You know some of her best-known phrases, right? Like this one. Discard everything that does not spark joy. Have you ever tried that? Or how about this? The best way to find out what we really need is to get rid of what we don't. Okay? And my favorite. Keep only those things that speak to your heart. With her non-Western Shinto Buddhist understanding of possessions and accumulation, Marie Kondo did strike a nerve in our materialistic and competitive culture. Her books, her videos, they are kind of 
like primers in changing your relationship with stuff. She links joy and peace to minimalism and mindful consumption. She presents clutter and accumulation as enemies of joy and peace. And people just love to watch her transform living spaces. And people love the idea that a different relationship with our stuff, something simpler, more minimalist, might actually make life tranquil. Now notice what I said about Marie Kondo and her reality show. People love to watch, and they love the idea. Notice I didn't say that people love to practice minimalism, or that people love to pare down their belongings, or love to simplify their schedules. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Such things take real struggle, reflection, and hard work. Exactly the kind of struggle, reflection, and hard work we are called to in the season of Lent. So this week, you're invited to consider the practice of Christian simplicity. Christian simplicity. Wiping away the clutter of your life to focus on what really matters. And if you've been using our Lenten journal, you'll be challenged this week in a number of ways to work at simplifying your life. Now, why? Why would we do such a thing? Why would it matter in our forming faith? I think the author, Adele Alberg, says it best. When she talks about simplicity in her life, she says it's really about uncomplicating and untangling my life so I can focus on what really matters. And she also suggests that as she does this, it bears some fruit. It bears some fruit. And I want you to think about this. She says, first, it makes space in my life, more space for loving and serving God. But secondly, it helps me stake my identity in God's love, not in what I own, not in what I've accumulated. Jesus had his own way of talking about Christian simplicity. Here is how he spoke of it in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your treasure matters, says Jesus. What you treasure, how you treat that treasure, what you do with that treasure, it matters. It matters because ultimately, ultimately it reveals our heart. So if you want to simplify your life, there's really only one troubling question to consider. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? And if Jesus is right, and I believe he is, the answer begins with what we treasure, with what we hold dear, with what matters most. The stuff we accumulate and the activities that crowd our lives, 
have to be wrestled with. Where is your heart? You can start with your calendar because time is precious, it's limited. And when Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, he asks each of us, he asks every family, he asks every church, how do you spend your time? What do you get involved in? What do you leave undone? What needs to be halted? What needs to be added? What can be simplified? Where is your heart? Or you can look at your bank account how you spend your money, you knew that I would get to that at some point in this sermon, right? When Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, he actually means it. And he actually means we are accountable for our selfishness, for our greed, for our materialism, and our lack of concern for the needs of those in front of us and the needs of the world. Where is your heart? What's most precious? And does your calendar and your bank account reflect your heart? These are profound questions, difficult to answer, painful to reflect upon, but utterly essential to the life of faith, necessary to practice Christian simplicity. Jesus reminds us that our the stuff of our lives, it's fleeting, that our time is fleeting. Belongings can be stolen, they can be destroyed. Stock portfolios can lose value. Let's just not think about that. Jobs and positions of importance are only as lasting as the next buyout or new boss. Even our importance in the lives of our children, it diminishes as they grow and leave home. And if your heart is bound to these things, my friend, tied up in these things, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be discouraged. No amount of money or success, no collection of things or friends or leadership positions will ultimately satisfy our heart's desire or give us peace or give us security or even give us rest. And we know this don't we? But we keep living as if things, this stuff of our lives, this busyness of our lives is of ultimate significance. And then something happens, like a desperately ill child in an ICU. And we realize that there is only one thing that matters, only one source of strength and hope, and we recognize that our hearts are restless for God. Friends, on this fourth Sunday of Lent, as we consider simplifying our lives for the sake of our souls, I want you to hear Jesus' words. Listen to Jesus remind us that our hearts belong to God, that the precious grace-filled part of life for each of us is really that part that's pointing to and participating with God's spirit in the building of God's kingdom. Because we are created for a relationship with God. 
And we're supposed to consider that relationship in everything we do, in everything we collect, in everything we spend. It's in that relationship that we find security, peace, and joy. So where is your heart? I urge you to a simple life with a heart safe and at home in God's mercy. I urge you to a simple life that will invest time and money to bring others to God's mercy as well.